The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. So happy Friday to you. Thank you for listening as we are continuing to try to do two podcasts a week. We've got some cool ones coming up because we have Icon coming up. I'm realizing tonight, Paul, that I am just a little tired. I think Icon's catching up with me a bit, but it's home stretch for that film. We've got mix happening. I'm in the middle of color. I'm enjoying... You get a pass. It's weird. (laughs) You get a pass. I I enjoy doing color correction. It's the weirdest (laughs) thing. Color correction is this weird thing where... There, there's, uh, sorry, I have to go on a filmmaking rant for a minute. I, I sat with guys that are full-time colorists, and you can hand them a movie and say you have just today, and they will take eight hours and make it look so much better than it did when you walked in the door. You can also tell them you have eight weeks, and they will use all of that time. You just keep doing, <laughs> right, like, right. think of it like like paint roller passes. You keep going back and forth and going, oh, I could fix that just a little bit. So I'm taking a little more time on this feature film than on some of our other pieces, which get a little bit more rushed based on time. I'm excited about the color on it, so that's happening. The mix is happening. The T-shirt is happening, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. We will have an Icon T-shirt up on our, our store. If you go to everydaydriver.com store, you can get that shirt. We have some others already up there. There will be more coming. My brain is very much about Icon right now, but we're going to do car debates tonight as well, believe it or not. Totally understand. Everyone, Todd gets a pass because he's been working so hard on the edit and the color as you're hearing. The film is going to be awesome. So, yes, if he sounds a little bit like he's dragging, then just just <laughs> look forward to the film. Just hear it now and then look forward to the film, and it's awesome. He's working really hard. Yeah, I just kudos to you, and everybody's gonna thank, thank you. Thank you too. So, yeah. If I go quiet and you hear uh, subtle snoozing, then don't laugh at me. But that's what's happening. <laughs> no, no, no. But but we do have uh, Romeo writing to us from Massachusetts. He's finishing up uh, becoming a doctor. So congrats on that, my friend. And he has a massive one of our largest emails ever is coming <laughs> yeah. from our friend Romeo. And it's one of those things where it's a great email, and so we're excited to cover it. But at the same time, it's it's scroll, scroll, scroll. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna invoke the two scroll rule again. General rule: if you have to scroll twice through your email and you've still got content, we're gonna have to have you cut it back. But we are gonna talk about Romeo's cool story. We're gonna talk about that, and also this is a cool one. We have uh, we have Cass that wrote in as well, and he wrote in from I am not kidding. He wrote in from Thailand with some requests, and it didn't go where I expected. So I have got kind of a crazy recommendation for him. Plus, we've got Facebook questions coming up, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, Cass is going to be awesome, too. In in Bangkok, Thailand, we've never been able to speak to somebody in uh, in Thailand and recommend cars there. So I... I just I picked it instantly. I just I knew we had to talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Plus, he's got one of the largest, if not the largest budget we have ever worked with. Of course, it's blowing the Paul limiter out like crazy, but get this everyone, his budget is 5 million baht, which equates to about $140,000 <laughs> US. I am five, 5 million away. baht. Well, but he but he tempers that and this says keep in mind cars here are two are twice what they cost in the US. So, okay, 140,000 sounds awesome, but it's instantly 70 or less. Now, 70 is not bad, but from our perspective, it's 70 grand or less. Yeah. So, yeah. but I, I do like the, I've got 5 million baht to spend. <laughs> of course you do. That sounds awesome. That sounds amazing. You know, I was just, I was just converting things into baht. The, no, I wasn't. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> there uh, I was counting my 5 million baht. No, actually, I yeah, wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't doing that at all. <laughs> 
Well, everyone, we've got uh, some very worthy news here that I want to talk to you about. And uh, I'm just incredibly fascinated by this. And I won't preface my comments too much by by uh, telling you I'll just dive right in because this has yeah. just floored me. I'm amazed and want to share my thoughts with you on this one because Todd and I have mentioned this in passing, but it's here now. And mm -hmm. that is an electric big rig. Yeah. Go to yeah. nicolamotor.com. So N-I-K-O-L-A motor.com. Nicola Motor as in the mm -hmm. first name of Nikola Tesla. This company has revealed as of tonight, the night we're recording this podcast, their yep. fully 1st. electric semi-truck, class A big rig. Mm -hmm. It's huge yep. for the market. They have revealed a running prototype to the market, and this is going to be all over the news very soon, therefore kicking you know, Mercedes in the teeth and Scania and a bunch of huge truck manufacturers around the planet, kicking them right in the teeth. Even Tesla themselves has wanted to do it. And, you know, Volvo and others have been testing autonomous autonomous semi-trucks. Yes. So now we have the electric version. So, of course, obviously the electric version and the autonomy thing will at some point merge. I do have to say – sorry, I have one bone to pick on this. And then I, I – you have a lot, I think, that you want to say on this. But I have one bone I have to pick with it. Did it have to be Nikola Motors? Really? <laughs> did, 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 did we have to look at, well, Tesla's, Tesla was big about electricity, and so let's name a car company Tesla. Oh, darn it. Tesla's already taken. What can we do? Well, Tesla had a first name. Must we? Can we not, can we not branch out somewhere else? You're not wrong. I just, oh, man. I mean, I, I'm excited for you, to hear you talk about it, talk about it in general, but I thought, Nikola Motor, really? Really? Can we not just? Just blaze our own because to some to some degree the name Tesla for our car company I already feel like is a bit on the nose. Sure. So for somebody else to come along and go, no, but we're Nikola Motors. It's like, oh, stop. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, so there, there's there's my my just annoyed rant for the night. But go Point on. I mean, the, the truck is cool, so please go please go on. Point taken. I mean, you realize that when we see this electric big rig pulling a load of brand new Teslas. As it goes by, you will be able to say, uh -huh. Nikola Tesla, yay. There goes a Nikola Tesla. Oh, yeah, ugh. Yeah, yeah. I might drive myself into an <laughs> embankment just to, just to stop the pain. Yeah, okay. Everyone, this is on the level of Christmas music for Todd. So just, yeah, it's, oh, it's right it up is. there, I think, yeah. on, on the list. I, well, that's what I'll do. I'll, bla I'll blare the Christmas music, <laughs> roll my windows down, and then drive into an abutment. That'll be perfect. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Well, name notwithstanding, I am pretty impressed by this. And first of all, you might ask, how is, how are they doing this? Well, we mm -hmm. ranted about a year ago at the CES reveal of Faraday Futures concept. I thought they should have revealed a truck now on a smaller scale, mm -hmm. a, a, you know, consumer passenger pickup truck. But here's sure. this company actually doing this. The thing is, though, it's hydrogen electric. Because think about mm -hmm. this, the way you charge your car now either takes time overnight or it's a quick charge at a station and it's smaller, more limited range. With a big rig yeah. like this, you've got to have a lot of range and therefore you need a system that will charge your batteries. We can't have truckers pulled over, charging by the side of the road, waiting for a huge <laughs> amount of batteries to fill up. I mean – I'm just – I'm just imagining the supercharger station for big rigs. I'm just envisioning that in my head. Keep going. <laughs> it's a, it's going to be a truck stop. No, no. So the reason it's 
combination with, uh, with hydrogen is because this fuel cell keeps the batteries charged constantly. And as you know, with electric motors, you only use the power when you're using it. It sounds funny, but when you're going up a hill, you're using more. But when you're going down a hill, well, you're not using as much. So just like mm -hmm. gasoline, but you need something that will keep the batteries for a really long range. And what Nikola is claiming here is 800 to 1200 miles on mm. before you need to mm. fill the hydrogen tank to continually recharge your batteries. That and makes the it hydrogen amazing. tank. Am I, am I following the hydrogen tank is essentially powering the generator that keeps the batteries charged? Am I following along correctly here? Yes, it's a hydrogen fuel cell. If you want to know more on how it works, go to NikolaMotor.com and they've got you know explanations on here. You can also watch the videos of the keynote of the reveal. Pretty impressive because they're not just revealing a truck. They have actually partnered with the big trucking companies in North America that really drive the industry. It's sort of like, mm -hmm. you know, if Boeing came out with a new airplane, it wouldn't be as relevant as unless they had partnered with Emirates and Delta and United and American and, sure, you know, consulted sure. Who, who's with the customer going to be. Yeah. With their actual customers, who are the people are going to be using yeah. this and operating it. So it's on that level. So again, I'm just, I'm floored by this because think of the ramifications, even though it doesn't directly relate to our brand and what we do as enthusiast drivers here, mm -hmm. it does because we talk about electric cars so much. What are the things delivering our favorite electric cars in the future? The Bolts, the Tesla Model 3s, the future electric cars and future hydrogen electric cars from other manufacturers that are yet to be announced. What are the semis yeah pulling those cars out of the factories and delivering them all around the world. So I want to get you guys thinking, everybody listening, I want you to think about this. And we've had a lot of truckers, as a matter of fact, who are listening to our podcast as they're driving their big rig. It's happening, yeah. everyone. Yeah, Soon point. you're going to be driving an electric rig. Think about this. No more Jake brakes going down hills. If you, mm. li if you mm. live next to a freeway, this is going to actually change your life because freeways will be <laughs> quiet. Think yeah, about fair this. Point. Fair point. Yeah. Massively reduced emissions. I'm all for power, but I'm also for reduced emissions and making freeways quieter. Now, also think about the amount of power that this thing makes. They're claiming 1,000 horsepower and yeah. 2,000 pound-feet of torque, which means mm -hmm, mm -hmm. going up a hill. I mean, we're in the mountains here where we live, and we, saw, we see big rigs all the time. They've got their blinkers on in the far right lane just plodding up a hill delivering you name the thing. And they're going yeah. really slow. Yeah, yeah. What if you've got this truck now that can deliver all the goods faster because you've got the torque to do it, which cuts down on delivery times because everyone, pretty much everyone has their goods delivered by truck. I mean, unless you live yeah, I mean, in the remote totally agree. Alaska yeah. outback and your goods are delivered by airplane, everybody has their goods. The things that are in your life, the consumables, all of that stuff are delivered by a semi-truck. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that is an interesting side note. I'm glad you went there because, you know, you started talking about it'd be interesting to see cars delivered on semis, but cars are a drop in the bucket. Everything yeah. gets delivered by trucks. I yep. mean, the, the, the sheer volume of stuff. Your local grocery store, if you hit it at the wrong time, you're now dodging the guy who's, who's probably masterfully, but it's taken a while, backing a big rig into the loading dock of your local grocery store. I mean, that just gets it as close to home as possible, but everything else is coming that way. So... These are not going to go away, and you know I do think it's going to be on the forefront of autonomy. I'm, I'm looking at this uh, 
the uh, the, the Nikola One, the big one here, that mm-hmm. is the sleeper truck. But I'm also looking at it because it has kind of a, I hate to say it, it's, it's the easy way to say it. It's got kind of the Tron look about it. And I'm envisioning this with the door gone. And I'm envisioning this as just doorless and autonomous because it already has that look about it. And I think this is an obvious thing that will go autonomous for a lot of other things. But especially... I, I want to give this back to you in just a second, but it dawns on me. If this really could do 800 to 1,200 miles between charges, that's most truckers' routes. Right. So imagine it leaving autonomous from a st- from somewhere. They load it. They put the route in. It leaves autonomous, and it arrives with barely enough left, but it arrives. No driver at all because it doesn't need to make any stops for any reason. doesn't need to make pit stops. None of that happens. doesn't need to sleep. So it leaves at, you know, 10 p.m., and it drives through the night, and it arrives who knows when. But the point being, I I can start to see the breadcrumbs of autonomy for this world, and we're not even to that yet. But I feel like the pieces are coming together. But keep going. They really are. And they're here sooner than I felt we all think they were going to be. Because, again, has Mercedes, Volvo trucks, Freightliner, Kenworth, uh, I mean, on and on and on. All the big trucking manufacturers who make these things and, you know, the conversation is not about the autonomy putting people and drivers out of a job. That's not really the conversation here and that's not the point. It's just the fascination that I have with the tech is coming and you think, well, these things are expensive, autonomy is coming. Well, within, what, two or three years of the Model S from Tesla being announced, here we are at Mm -hmm. more affordable versions of the Model S and semi-autonomous driving that everybody's saying, hey, it's great. It works to a point. It's not perfect. We've seen highway deaths, which <laughs> yeah, are not say, careful, acceptable. But yeah. Not acceptable. Yeah. So it's coming. I hope that this kind of industry creates new jobs. I, I don't have some good ideas quite yet about what jobs this this new autonomy mm-hmm. you know, can create or the trucking industry can create. I hope they do. I hope they create it in a different arena. You know, maybe you're not driving. Maybe it's, you know, the tech pulls us in a different direction. And that's what I'm so fascinated with is Mm -hmm. the ability to create jobs and the ability to do all this stuff that I'm just so amazed. And it's here, everyone. It's here. They've got the running prototype. that was my next question. Is there is there one rolling around somewhere in Salt Lake? I mean, here they are based right in our backyard. Is there one rolling around somewhere as far as we know? That was the reveal for uh, for the new one. They have a rolling prototype that is working. That was uh, that was part of the the reveal here. And as you said, they're right here in our backyard. They're in Salt Lake City. That's their headquarters, which also fascinates me. And so. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I was talking to Todd. I was just mentioning this before we started the podcast here, and he said he wanted to drive it. I want to drive it. And my question to all of you listening is, <laughs> do you want us to drive it? We're all about enthusiast driving, and we love our sports cars, and we love fun, fast driving. But this yeah. is such an this is a long different way from category. That. <laughs> it's such a long way it could almost work. Yeah. It's not even yeah. remotely related. It kind of is because it's going to be delivering our cars to us, used or sure. new. Sure, our everything. And yeah, our, our goods everything and everything yeah. in our life. Uh-huh. And I think, what if we did a review? What if we got our hands on one? Should we pursue this company and talk to them and see if we could get mm, a big empty mm. parking lot since Todd and I don't have our Class 8 driver's licenses? We're not truckers. <laughs> I mean, maybe we could convince them to hoon it up a mountain what road. Could, 
What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Me on a canyon road in something that is wider than two of my cars put together. It's just (laughs) slapping down tree branches at high speed. That's bound to end well. That's that's just a recipe for carnage. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. Keep going. Well, I think it would be uh, very interesting in terms of experience. And just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, having having the ability to talk more to it, speak more to it about how it drives. Obviously, it's an electric. It's a stop pedal and a go pedal. That's it. Yeah, but, exactly. Exactly. You know, Gone are the, the days of thing. the multi-transmissions and, you know, your sub-gears and all those kind of things. Gone are those days. I mean, I remember my grandfather who ran a trucking company for the entire – I mean, his entire life. I uh, I remember riding with him a few times in big rigs and just sat there boggled by mm-hmm. how just subconscious he could shift and pick gears and you know pick sub gears and just I, I just sat there going how are you doing this you know that's amazing but, uh, and this is this is a long way from that I mean it's got I, I I will post some pictures but we definitely encourage you guys to look it up it's not look you're not going to see one on the road next week of course unless you live in Salt Lake maybe you will but you're not going <laughs> to see one on the road next week uh, but uh, but it is as you said, this feels like a little bit of a bomb drop because it does feel closer than I expected when this drops. And I don't know what's going on in this area because in this area, too, uh, L.A. is going to do it, but also Park City is going to do it specifically, and that is electric buses. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm very surprised that Park City's doing that. There's a big push happening here for those that are going to be able to run all day on one charge. What I find interesting about the bus scenario and also this big rig is here are two companies running the things that you would think an electric motor would be great for, which is huge weight needs torque. So mm-hmm. bus, big rig, both need that. But the problem with both those scenarios is to create that much power, I mean, create that much yeah, grunt, you need a lot of electrical power. And the, we haven't been at that place. But both of these projects locally here suggest we are. That's what's interesting about it. Uh, and I, and I know this sounds weird. Maybe this is enthusiast proof. Maybe it's just that I'm losing my mind, but I, I'm much more excited about electric buses and big rigs than I am electric cars. Are you? Because it just feels like that's, that to me is a place where those technologies should be at the forefront. Yeah. yeah. But maybe I've, maybe I'm losing it. I don't know. I mean, you know, then I think about sports cars and that's what Tesla dabbled in to begin with and then gave us increasingly bigger vehicles. That's why I keep coming back to an electric pickup truck. When somebody does that, that's going to be useful mm-hmm. for everybody because it is off-road. It's towing and hauling and, you know, it's got more capacity for the batteries that you're talking about. I'm I'm fascinated. Uh, by the way, everybody, if you want the bus information, that is proterra.com, P-R-O-T-E-R-R-A. Yeah. Pretty fascinated by this. Yeah, as Todd said, L.A. and Park City, they're going to start running here apparently. Uh, they've got the city yeah, contract. I mean- when I heard L.A., I was like, sure, you're going to do electric buses in L.A. And then it was like, and Park City. And I went, wait, this this park? This park <laughs> city? The one that we're uh, – yeah. But the other thing – one last thing that I want to mention on Nikola, and then we probably should move on. But uh, you may have other things to say, so we can stick around if you need to. But uh, they also are making a, a UTV, a Polaris competitor, a Polaris mm-hmm. you know, four-wheel, four-seat bang around in the desert competitor. That's their other product, which is another interesting place to put electric things. So they they just uh, feel like they're dropping onto the market into an area that nobody else is really addressing yet, and they claim to be here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually very curious about this Polaris competitor, too. It'd be interesting to throw that around. But we're not really into the everyday driver world at all, but let us know what you guys think. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, we will uh, move on to the car debates, but I just had to kind of get get this off my chest because it relates 
but it doesn't. You know, it, re- it relates to our lives, but it doesn't relate to, yeah. like I said, the enthusiast driving that we crave and sure. search out for and really debate for people. But it, it does but it's, in some roundabout yeah. way relate here to the future of the car industry. And that's that's why I'm so well, buzzed it, about this. It, but it relates – here's the biggest way it relates. It relates because all of us drive. If you're listening to this show, you drive. And all of us drive in and around big semis. Yeah. We just do. Yeah. So even if you don't want to think about all the ways that it affects the deliveries in your life, you are navigating these things all the time. And this technology is going to be changing around you. That definitely makes it something that people are going to see. I mean, we can talk about you know cutting-edge tech that you may never see. You're going to see this. It will exist. So that's interesting. Speaking of cutting, you know how everybody cuts off big rigs on the freeway because they're just slow-moving chicanes? Well, you better be careful because the electric big rig can now cut you off with all the torque they've got. So be (laughs) careful, everyone. It's coming. They're going to take Uh you on the (laughs) on-ramp with 80,000 pounds behind them. Wow, how frightening will that be? Yeah, that's a thought. <laughs> well, let's talk about let's talk about Romeo writing to us, uh, and uh, he's he's actually on the end of his residency and uh, radiology fellowship in Boston, and uh, he's excited about getting a fun car. He's got about thirty thousand dollars to work with, wife, two kids, so that has made it a no coops scenario. He's kind of leaning all-wheel drive, but he's willing to go either way. But the the non-negotiables are roughly 30-ish grand. Now, he has acknowledged, I really could spend more. I could spend more than 30 grand, but that extra is going to come out of my payback the medical (laughs) school loans. (laughs) So that's his caution, even though he's kind of like, you know, 30 grand's realistic. I could go higher. So two kids, and he has a little bit of a commute, but he wants fun sports car feel, manual, no coupes, hopefully all-wheel drive. Interesting. This is great. Romeo, thank you so much for writing in. Romeo is from the Philippines, lives outside of Boston, and uh, looking forward to being a fully certified, fully board certified medical doctor. And uh, he's pretty sharp because everything in his email is very, very tuned in to everything we're saying on the podcast. He even talked about the Paul limiter and put the registered, the trademarked registered mark, which makes me think, <laughs> we, should I trademark we get on that. the Paul limiter? We got to get on that before somebody <laughs> takes it right out from under us. I'm not, I'm not sure what you do with it. Here's the thing. I don't thing. know what I do. I'm not sure how you monetize that, but maybe either. it should be our registered trademark. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how you do a thing with it, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, Romeo and his family, they currently have an 04 Mazda 6 which he commutes eight miles and 40 minutes in, in, uh, in the Boston like crawl. Los and and it sounds like Boston. That's exactly <laughs> sounds right. Like Boston. Yeah. They've also got a 2006 Toyota Sienna minivan, front-wheel mm-hmm. drive, which they received from their parents in return for giving their parents grandchildren. So <laughs> we give you grandchildren. You give us a yes. not-that-great minivan. Yay. I'm yes. not sure that that's uh, even a lateral move there. But, you know, you need the minivan. We get it. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you went on a tangent here as well, Romeo, talking about at some point you will be upgrading the minivan and you're acknowledging that things like the Odyssey or even the new Pacifica, minivans have gotten nice. And as much as we hate them, that's still true. I mean, mm-hmm. I got in the Pacifica at the LA Auto Show and was a little blown away by the fact that if you ignore for a second, just ignore the fact that you're sitting in a minivan – it's a pretty nice cabin for the driver and the passenger. Mm. I mean, just genuinely a nice place to be. 
So it's interesting that, that minivans, that utilitarian animal, is starting to meet the, this is now the only car in the family, couldn't we try to make it nice? Now, the problem there is still, like, projectile food items. That's still the problem with making a minivan nice. But um, <laughs> but I think the fact that they're working on it is cool. And, and you're right. There are decent minivans, improved minivans to get into. It's still a minivan. We're not shopping for that. We're shopping for some fun. Does anybody make a Nerf gun for Cheerios so you can, like, you know, shoot the Cheerios back at your kid and sort of like, you know, get back at them for trash in your car. I don't know, like a little oh, but it, Cheerios launcher. Just, That'd be awesome. There's there's a there's a season where you just have to embrace it. And I think, you know, the season is at its worst, you know, in that kind of toddler range. The angry two-year-old. And then the, the random spills and spit up and that kind of stuff, that dies down. And then it just becomes kids are dirty. I mean, especially boys. Kids are just dirty. They've just got stuff, and it's dirty, and stuff happens. And, you know, I mean, my son climbs in the FRS sometimes. He climbed – I didn't even tell you this, Paul. He climbed in my FRS for me to take him to school about a week ago. And while he's climbing in, his juice on the side of his, his backpack is now pouring out of the side of his juice while he's climbing in the back of my car. You're kidding me. Oh so I just kind of had to steal myself to that moment and be like, okay, okay, not his fault. It wasn't tightened down properly. The lid was coming off. Not his oh. fault. Oh. And yet, wow, that was a, that was a parenting <laughs> challenge moment there for me. And he and he was very apologetic. He was like, "Oh, Dad, I didn't know it was loose. I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was happening." I was like, "Buddy, the the thing to do now is we got to we let's find some paper towels and towels. Let's get this solved." But it was just one of those kids' moments. This is the kind of stuff that happens with kids. It just will. You add dog to the equation. Oh, stuff's yeah. just gonna get messy. It just will. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> Well, at least your car smells like juice instead of like turducken juice, you know, the turkey stuffed on inside the chicken inside the duck, like that kind of nasty Thanks. juice. At least there, it's there's, juice. There's, like there's, there's both an image and an, and an old factory nightmare. Just yeah, thanks for that. Fruit. Appreciate it. Hopefully it was apple juice or something decent. Yes, it was. It was apple juice. But still, anyway, these things happen. So <laughs> this is the reality of kids. But let's find let's find Romeo a car. I He actually has a long list of things he's driven that he's intrigued by. Uh, let's see. He he has two tied for first. One is the Acura TL with the manual. Now that's not the wagon, which has been much debated as we've seen a manual, and yet they are unicorns don't exist. He's actually talking about the actual manual transmission sedan version. That's tied for first with him personally with the Golf R, which are both good options. Uh, and then he goes a little more enthusiast nutty with things like a WRX. He'd actually not like the STI. He wants to go to straight WRX. The uh, S fours on there. He jumps around to the Evo, which, okay, you're getting nutty. And he even brings up the uh, the RS4 as a car he's always been intrigued by. So this is quite a group. Man, he just went nuts. I, everyone, He gave us a top ten list of things he's thinking about, the reasons why. Mm-hmm. I mean, he broke it down. I think this is why doctors are so awesome because this is probably what they do with your patient record, which is when you <laughs> want all the information because, you know, it might be, you know, life or death. But when it comes to cars, wow, well done, and man, this is crazy. So Audis Four to BMWs. scrolls later, I found the top ten list. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the link, the email. And here's the thing. I actually think, side note, sometimes what the doctors actually do with your record is stand in the office and just go, you've got to be kidding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> exactly. They're like, flip, flip. Oh, okay, I've seen enough. Uh, you're sick. We need to do something. I'm going to make sir. you breathe. Yikes. Wow. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Well, I uh, on this list, Romeo, I did not see the Ford Focus RS anywhere on here. 
You've got Audis. Thank you. I thought of three, that too. Yep. Three Audis, the Chevy SS, the RX-8, the Evo, BMW, four Audis. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. Lots of good stuff. I mean, we, we think alike. We all are thinking alike. You've got great choices. They're all very well researched. I feel like you need to go drive the Focus RS and good. have a good. big grin on your face. And you might be done at that point. That's my, my first thought for you because mm-hmm. – you know, I agree with that. Kids, it feels nearly bulletproof in terms of durability and reliability, and we love yeah, how yeah. it drives. And it's manual, and it's all-wheel drive, which is another thing that he needs. Thirty grand, mm-hmm. yeah. But remember, in this email, he said thirty grand without the Paul Limiter trademarked hashtag registered yeah. mark. Yeah, yeah. Government, I own that. Well, he he's mark. acknowledging that thirty grand is what he'd like to spend, but he also, in the next breath in this email, talks about the fact he could spend more. It's just an offset of his paying off a student loan at the at the highest speed <laughs> possible. So I've already got a bunch you know, of student loans. We why not? No, I'm, more? I'm glad you brought up the Focus RS because I brought it up too. I don't think it's out of the question here. I think it's a really genuine contender. I mean, certainly when you're talking about Golf R or WRX, it it has to enter the discussion. I mean. The Audis would do well for you. Look, you've got S4 and RS4 and Allroad and S3. My favorites of those are the S4 or the RS4, candidly, uh, as far as a car that's going to feel enthusiast-wise. But I don't know that the S4 is going to go far enough. The RS4, we're well under your budget. You said you'd use money for maintenance. I think you'd thoroughly enjoy that car. I'm glad you thought it up. The Evo, look, I love the Evo. I'll sing the praises of the Evo. But in this equation, not nice enough. I don't think so. I don't. But I'm glad you brought up the Focus RS because I think it's a great contender. He did, of course, mention the Chevy SS. I think he realized he couldn't get away without that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think you were just placating work, Todd work, there, Romeo. I think that's what you were doing. Possibly. He says he thinks it might be too large, but yet, honestly, the Acura TL is is almost the size of the Chevy SS. I mean, you're in a pretty similar range there. So if you like the TL, at least here's – look, I'll make you a deal. Just go drive the SS. <laughs> Feel free to walk away, but just drive it so you have the experience. See how big it really feels. Now, the TL will be nicer. It just will be nicer. It's a nicer place to be. But the SS, if you have your eye on it at all, you'll be probably the only person that's walked into your local Chevy dealer and said, I'd like to drive your SS. So they'll be thrilled to see you. So uh, you should go do that. <laughs> Plus, you'll have all your patients saying, yeah, I love my doctor, but he, he does burnouts in the parking lot after he leaves for work. So it's really strange. I I don't know. But, uh, you know, speaking of a little bit of irreverence you alluded to in your email, my wild card for you, Romeo, is the new Civic Si, the 2017 Civic Si, because, Hmm. I mean, can you imagine your doctor comes to work like, that would be so cool. Just a little bit of boy racer, just a little bit of, you know, edge to you. And you're driving this hot, fast, cool looking car. Your kids are sort of plastered in the back seats and... I think that would be really cool. We're excited to drive this thing. We're, of course, awaiting Honda to drop this on us at this point. Mm-hmm. When you listen to this mm-hmm. a year from now, you'll laugh because, uh, you know, it's going to already be out at the time. But uh, hopefully we'll be getting in it, into it very soon and sharing what it's like to drive. But this is really intriguing me because we talk about hatches so much and it's such in the price point. We've been waiting for the new SI. We've been waiting for the Euro look and the power. Mm-hmm. Come on. It's we, yeah. we need our Japanese awesomeness hot hatch <laughs> fix here. The Evo's gone. Subaru's yeah. cool, but what replaces this fix in our life? <laughs> Honestly. That's a, that's a T-shirt. Subaru's cool, but ellipse. 
<laughs> just massive just, hate from shirt, Subaru people shirt, everywhere. The shirt ends. It, it just ends on an ellipse. Subaru's cool, but ellipse. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I had I had two others here for Romeo that uh, they're a little more wild card, but I'm jumping off of stuff that you've said here. That brought me to two other ideas. Did you have other ideas? I'm glad. I agree with you. I think the Focus RS is the lead car here. But but did you have anything else on your brain? We could talk for hours, probably longer than Romeo's email. But I'll leave it for there for now because those are two good choices that fit what okay. I think he's looking for. We could go bigger, but I want to hear yours. Okay. Well, I I have two wild cards, and they're wild cards for different reasons. First off, for your money, well, for a little bit above your money, I'll just go ahead and stay above your money. But nine nine seven Carrera 4S. I Good. Mean, yeah. Look, you you want all wheel drive? I, I, it's a foregone conclusion. My my doctor drives a nine eleven. I know. I just did that. I, I realized that. <laughs> you kind of did. You know. You 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 do have kid room in there, of course. Uh, I mean, right now you say your your kids are are in the rear facing child seat, so you don't have that much room. But uh, you're not getting this car this minute. You don't think so? Maybe by the time you are, then they, as soon as they turn front front facing, you're you're okay actually. Uh, so anyway. Um, Lots of duct tape. So you've got strap them in. The, You're good. <laughs> hey, they have the latch system. <laughs> anyway, so 997 Carrera 4S I think is a genuine option. It honestly may be too small, but I think it's an option here. But then you made a, a little rant here where you talked about how much you love the Mazda RX-8. You just went on and on about how much you love the Mazda RX-8. You like the size. You like the fact that the engine revs so high. This is a car you'd consider rear-wheel drive for. You would do rear-wheel drive if it was the right car. This is a car that intrigues you. There's this whole little diatribe about the, the RX-8. And I went, okay, all right. That made me think of this car. Rear-wheel drive, similar size, great enthusiast car, engine that revs really high and is fun to interact with. Mm-hmm. The BMW E46 M3. The E46. Okay. You could get one all day long for your budget. You'd get a nice one. Get a... Do really get a, nice a good, you know, pre-purchase inspection on that. Check your subframe. Check all the stuff that goes wrong with those cars. But it's a known commodity. It is similar. It's not as small, but it's similar in size that RX-8. But it does have back seats you can use. I submit to you the back seats are more usable than the 911 back seats. There is no question you just enjoy that car as an enthusiast car. There's all kinds of value for you because they're inexpensive now. And... It has a really, especially for what it is, a very high revving engine. And that, that straight six in that car is one of the best engines to just interact with. You have to go six-speed manual. Do not do SMG. But you want to anyway. I think that scratches that itch that the RX-8 intrigues you, but yet winds up with a car that is more usable and does what you need it to do without as many maintenance issues. That's my guess. Of course, I instantly logged on to EnthusiastAuto.com, which has probably the uh, nicest of selection did. of E46 mm-hmm. cars anywhere. Romeo, if you're not aware, Enthusiast Auto Group, EnthusiastAuto.com in Cincinnati, Ohio. Holy moly. They should so be paying you. They, they should, should be, be They're not, everybody. You you, They're not. You just troll that website I know. anyway. I know. And then you, we get anywhere close to their inventory kind of thing, and you run us all back to Enthusiast Auto. Oh. Yeah, but keep going. 06 M3 manual coupe competition package, 21,000 miles, $49,000. That's, okay. that's high. They're that still hurts. asking a lot of money, but there are in yeah. the 30 to 40 you range. Can get them. There's some. Yes. Uh, 06. Okay, here we go. 06 BMW M3 manual coupe, E46, 35,000 okay. miles, 38,9. That looks 
beautiful. Wow. And candidly, this is the website that is their great examples, wow. but they're also the most expensive examples. You can get yourself options at thirty grand. You're going to have to be careful. You get from someplace like Enthusiast. They've done, I mean, they, that's what they specialize in. So they're going to be in good condition and they're going to, they're going to charge you for it. They specialize but you can look in around taking and your find money. a deal for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, they've got lots well, of Well, hopefully, I mean, that's, I'm out there. I know I'm in wild card territory, but maybe something there helps you, Romeo. We should probably move on and try to wrench you, Paul, away from Enthusiast Auto for at least oh, a few minutes. Oh, look at this. Uh, they've got an no. M4 okay, GTS for $179,000. Perfect. Done. Let's, let's buy two. At mm-hmm. two at yeah. that price. I mean, uh, that's, what a that's bargain. Just, that's, okay. It's such a bargain. Yeah. Logging off, moving mm-hmm. on. You're right. I got to wrench myself back. Although Kaz <laughs> does have the highest dollar amount we've ever dealt with. Unfortunately, it's due to taxes well, in Thailand that I think sucked the rest of that up. Um, he, he has he wow. has the highest string of numbers figure, but the actual <laughs> right. buying power but, of it is not okay. that impressive. All right. You had to be accurate. Fine. Fine. Yeah. I mean, it's an impressive string of numbers. I have to say, you're looking at this going, that's a lot of commas. We could do a lot with that. And then you hear about reality, and suddenly we're dealing with just, you know, roughly 60 to 80 grand U.S. budget is what we're dealing with for 5 million baht. Uh, wow. And I'm sure we're pronouncing that wrong, but it's funny anyway. Um, so anyway, so he's he's talking about living in Bangkok, and his description, I love this description of Bangkok as a driver. Bangkok is basically L.A. without the canyon roads around it. So it's all freeways. It's a network of freeways. This is what he's going to drive. Closest winding road to him is five hours away. Traffic during the day is terrible. So this is a car that he wants it to be new. He doesn't care left or right-hand drive. Funny to live in a culture where it doesn't matter. But uh, must be new, left uh, or right-hand drive. He would like it to be collectible if possible, which I also read into that unique. Mm Because collectible is hard to calculate, but unique is what that definitely says to me. Wants a manual, no convertible, and he wants a car for this location, for this world, where he's going to do fun drives at off hours when the when – the, it sounds like you at least have some off hours. So at night, the expressways are empty and you can drive hard. You're looking for this kind of world. And you've listed some cars you've driven, but uh, they're all over the map too. Yeah, yeah. What a great description, Kaz. And this is awesome. We've never actually debated for anywhere in – Thailand or Vietnam or anywhere in uh, East Asia like that. So if you are living there, listen to the podcast, write to us as well. But this is fun because you're in Bangkok and all I can think about is big American car in Thailand. That's that's you've got a great list of Porsche Cayman, BMW M2, the car Todd has, the Toyota 86. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. like the Mercedes Benz A45 AMG. Yes, it doesn't Which matter. Which is a cool that it's, car we don't get. Oh, it's man. It's a very cool car we don't get. I really super, like that. Super, super cool. I, I associate more yeah. of that in, uh, in Europe. We see that in Europe quite a bit. But uh, I'm coming down to the Mustang GT350. But you also mentioned you like the Camaro. And I thought about the 2017 Camaro SS 1LE or that LTV6 1LE with the track pack. That might be available too. Either of those cars... All I'm thinking about is exhaust at night, loud, snarling, amazing exhaust, because that's when you're going to be driving this thing, probably Mm -hmm. breaking the speed limit, but we won't really talk too much about that. And uh, I'm just thinking awesome exhaust note, even if you're cruising, just 
Mm -hmm. Mustang or Camaro. That would be really stand out in my mind, unless I'm completely wrong and there's already a huge culture of Mustangs and Camaros in Thailand that I don't know about. But otherwise, <laughs> well, it's either interesting. One of you those. and I kind of went. We kind of went different. Uh, we kind of went. We had the same thoughts, like the same breadcrumbs, but we kind of wound up a different place. But because here's the thing, I mean, I was really surprised to see that Cass actually mentioned my car at all. Because, you know, if you're dealing with freeway, straight line cruising, the look, I love my FRS. That that 86 platform is wonderful. I was just, I was driving it today, you know, ducking through now winter tires and ducking through traffic with winter tires, and I'm still loving it. It's it's a great car, but it's what it's about is the handling. And you're talking about yeah. big freeway blasts at night and a car that is unique. I think it does neither of those things well in your world. I don't think it's unique enough. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe they're, they're, you've never seen one, but I, I doubt it. I don't think they're unique. it's unique enough, and it doesn't have, I think, the number one thing you need for straight freeway blasts, and that is just sheer noise and power. Mm -hmm. So you, you and I landed in the same place there. I mean, I like the M2, but I think you're missing the, the fun of the M2 a little bit there. Cayman, same deal. The winner for me, though, Dodge Challenger Hellcat. Really? I think <laughs> that is the answer. Because here's the thing. Talk is it collectible? Noise. I don't know. It, it, yeah, is it collectible? I don't know. But it's going to be unique. I can't think you're going to be driving along in Bangkok and pull up next to another Challenger Hellcat. I think you're going to be <laughs> the local Challenger Hellcat. If you're blasting along on a freeway in that car at night, this is what it does best. It's noise, it's attitude, and anybody pulls alongside you and you just kind of smile and drop your foot to the floor. And it's that shriek from the supercharger up front and the growl from the exhaust in the back, and you're a bullet. That's what it does best. It's not a handling machine, but you don't need that. Mm -hmm. I think the Hellcat is the beginning and end of this discussion right here, personally. Although you could, you know, stomp the throttle and not go anywhere and just melt your tires. So that is the alternate reality with that car. But true, I'm with you. True. I'm with you. I like the Hellcat a lot. I think of all the cars that we've mentioned here, the most collectible would be the Mustang GT350. That's a hunch. That's based on anything and nothing. Yeah, theoretically. But I, yeah, I like – Yeah, theoretically. I just – yeah, something big American. I like that Todd said this and that's attitude, something that is attitude. Mm -hmm. And the European cars can do that. But, I mean, we'll, we'll be really honest here. It's, it's probably one of these three. I, I like the Hellcat. That's, that's cool. I mean how many Hellcat I mean, engines are in about, Thailand? Really? Yeah, I mean you're talking about a standout car. In a culture, I mean, here's the thing: the Hellcat here and the GT350 here in the U.S. are still interesting. I mean, that's yeah, how much true. of a standout big muscle car that is. Yeah, you take here. it out of our, you take it out of the U.S. culture at all, and it becomes much more. You're kidding. You have one of those, and the, I think the GT350 is in that same category. It's my, it's my close second number two here, and and that's a car where you actually get good handling with it as well. But that Voodoo engine makes it unbelievably unique. Mm -hmm. But I think that does what you're hoping for, which what I'm seeing here, I'm actually seeing, this is how, how my, where my head is right now. I'm seeing the film in my head, Cass. I'm seeing it. <laughs> I'm seeing the nighttime film with the lights, the occasional lights going by on the freeway and the, and the, the lights from the car and the you know, really low angle. I'm seeing the whole thing. And it's just noise, attitude, straight line speed, and those cars get it done. <laughs> I love it. I, Kaz, hopefully this helps because uh, you're going to have to send photos when you get something. I mean, absolutely cool landmarks with the car parked out front in Thailand. That would be – send us photos. That 
heck, we'll we'll post him. We'll say, hey, Kaz got a whatever you got, and we'll post it <laughs> on like Facebook. That. that would be awesome. I like that. Well, speaking of Facebook, we, we shall jump into questions that uh, you guys have written in. Thank you so much. I put out the call often, and uh, you always respond with great ones, very creative ones. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we'll have mm -hmm. to come revisit this group or tell you to repost because you've got some good ones on here for this yeah, one. Yeah, there's some very good ones. I mean – I have to uh, call you stuff. out right up front. I have okay. to call you out right up front. There, uh -huh. I read one question, and I just thought I just want to throw it at Paul. But it's one of those questions with I read it, and I laughed out loud and thought that's going in. Luigi – his whole question, one simple sentence, is Paul psyched for the Kia Soul Turbo or what? Dude, totally, <laughs> totally. I went and Googled that thing after I read your question, Luigi, and I'm not disappointed. The Soul is awesome and with a turbo, I mean, does Kia know what they're doing or what? I mean, come on. <laughs> Are they awesome or what? Well, but but I forgot to tell you that that Chance and I, Chance and I were walking around the LA Auto Show and we oh, came up upon yeah. the Kia Soul Turbo, and we both just kind of stood there by the turbo badge and went, "This is the car we're going to hear about for the next year. Totally. It's going to be the Kia Soul Turbo." And then I got in it and I played with everything and I got in the back and I looked at the back cargo room and I got out and looked at Chance and went, "I just don't get it. I, I just really? you and I we have not we have not merged on this." Really? But I have to give you credit in one area and that is. It is such the other end of the car world from so much of the stuff you normally gravitate toward that I love that you love it. <laughs> and I also like that I keep going, yeah, I just don't get it. But okay. Well, I will say it is not disingenuous. My love for this car is true and real. I know. I am impressed I with this thing. I like the design. It's got plenty of room. It's got the eye level that puts it not quite at full SUV height, but I'm not a low car. And I think that is something that appeals to a lot of buyers. And I, I just – and now with a turbo, oh, I <laughs> – and I'm surprised I like it so much and for the price. So it represents my – at the lower end of the new car buying spectrum, the thing I can always recommend because it works for families and you know all kinds of different things. It's not too big. It works for Europe. Yeah. Parking. Yeah. Uh, soul for the win. Soul turbo bit, for the win. It's got a little bit of character to it. I get it. I Hashtag get it. I just, Soul Turbo I, for the Win T-shirt. Done. <laughs> Mic drop. Whatever. Oh no! I just I don't <laughs> I I can't go there. But I love the fact that it just lights you up so oh easily. Gosh. What uh, What questions did you find? I have a couple others here, but what other questions did you find that you like? Oh, liked? there's so many. I uh, gosh. What? Uh, where's the question? What car brand would you resurrect? Where is that question? Mm -hmm. I saw that uh, one, yeah. Gregory Cannon. He said, car brand you would resurrect. I I wonder. I uh, I have this guilty pleasure, and this was a question on Facebook. I forget who asked us. I'll have to go back and acknowledge you. Somebody asked me, you know, what's your guilty pleasure car? And for me, it's the AMG Mercedes, the big honking Luxo Fully loaded, mm -hmm. super expensive, back massaging, endlessly turbocharged, and see, but your German guilty pleasure Chevy car horsepower. is not—it's not nearly as embarrassing as mine. But, <laughs> but yeah, keep going. Well, it's it's embarrassing because of the high end. I even like the GLC or the what is it—the GLE big honking SUV four door sure. thing. Yes, yeah. 
X6 yeah. competitor. I even really like their that. Their X6 competitor, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so, I'm not sure who that's for except for maybe you. But, yeah, keep going. So Mercedes did this concept car very recently that was appealing to the very, very high-end luxury buyer. And they brought back the Maybach name to do it. The interior mm-hmm. is yeah. just delightfully delicious, you know, feast for the eyes. And the car is enormous. And I think, all right, well, if they're thinking like that, what about Duesenberg from the 20s that represented mm-hmm. such opulence? And I know there's this, I think there's a guy in Arizona that owns all the rights to the Duesenberg name, and he's tried to resurrect it. And no offense, but they're nasty and stop it. <laughs> Bring Duesenberg back like awesome, amazing, and electric and just beyond, like, two or three steps beyond Rolls-Royce, just from the tech alone, you know, and luxury and autonomy and all this stuff, and mm-hmm. make it what it was to everybody in the 20s. If you had a Duesenberg or a Packard, for that matter, in the 20s, you were Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. You were it's funny at the top. So It's funny you just mentioned Packard, because that was mine. You're I kidding just, me. I think that's... Yeah, I, I was thinking Packard, because it is that Rolls-Royce idea... With a U.S. nameplate. It's that yeah. ridiculous power. It's just surge of power, and it's a big luxury thing. The problem is Cadillac's struggling so much to, to get people to notice the fact that their cars are great. Lincoln is a non-entity that's desperately trying to get a foothold. <laughs> Still nothing to uh, see here. Mer- Mercedes did Maybach as a separate brand, couldn't hang on to it, so now it's a trim level. So introducing <laughs> yeah. stuff in that hyper-luxury world is incredibly hard, but it's funny that both you and I gravitated toward those Marks because yeah, Duesenberg I hadn't thought of, but it's, it almost feels obvious because I was thinking Packard. Wow, that's amazing. I just, you know, with all the tech and the autonomy and the stuff that we talk about that's coming and style, I, I, uh, I will relate this question to Steve Urban's comment here about wanting me to expand on exterior design of autonomous cars. And mm. I, it lights me up. And you're right, Steve. I, I mean, I say that more in tongue-in-cheek with, you know, just the bubble cars that we're going to be driving around in, but the interiors are amazing. I still believe yeah. the exteriors are going to have to be ever more important than they are now to differentiate an electric, autonomous city mover. Why would I order this from Uber or Lyft or some other company in the future? Why would I own it? It's ever increasingly important. But the functionality has risen to a level where style is not just the only thing. As well, but honestly, you know, I just it's, it's I up there. Go to go to any go to any appliance store and look at the range of refrigerators. Yeah. This is where we're headed. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Well, you can look at the refrigerator that's incredibly expensive, and it is what is it? It's a it's a large box with doors on it. Now. It's nicer materials. The doors have got cooler handles, but the the separation between that and what we have in a range of cars, I do think that's what happens when you go all autonomous pods because now it's just about finishing touches and it's about materials and then the interior is this great place. I don't think style is as much of a factor. I think quality of materials, that becomes the flashy point. Yes, I, I just, very I much I think so. it all ends up being the same shape. Yes, yes, possibly. But unlike refrigerators, as cool as they are and as cool as they're getting, especially Samsung or LG has a camera on the inside of the fridge, and you can log onto your phone while you're at the grocery store and see what's in your fridge. How cool is that? Anyway. That, uh, anyway. 
You know what also works? Picking up the milk carton and going, I need milk, and making a note. Anyway. Well, yeah. I like the tech. I like using bandwidth to solve the problem rather I, than I know you do. You just are excited <laughs> about the internet of everything. Totally. I get it. Totally. I know. So I think it will be crucial for cars that appeal to drivers. Say Porsche, for example. They've announced at this point that they will never do the autonomy thing because their entire brand is focused on the pleasure of driving. And by the way, everybody, yeah. driving is fun. If you didn't catch on, driving is fun. We like driving and doing it ourselves because it requires something of you. It requires a brain and function, and it actually turns out to be a pleasurable experience. But, of course, design remains for those in the same way that design is clearly irrelevant to the current Prius and the Nissan Leaf. Apparently so because (laughs) that's another hour for that for those two cars. Oh, that's that's a rant. In fact, <sighs> we haven't even told people this about what? the Prius Diaries. Oh, that's right. When we right. were in Los what Angeles for the LA segue. Auto Show, <laughs> we, we, when we were in Los Angeles for the LA Auto Show, we rented a Prius, a brand new Prius. Yes, the ugly Prius. Now, I I almost had to take Paul into this car kicking and screaming, but my genuine yeah. headspace was, look, it's easy to, to sit around as people that love cars and say the Prius is terrible. But I haven't driven it in two generations. So... We rented it for four days. The whole time we were in L.A., we had shoots to do. We drove back and forth across Los Angeles. We sat in terrible traffic. We drove hard at night. I mean, we did everything. I hooned it at one point down a canyon road faster than any Prius in history. <laughs> so we drove this thing. In the process, we didn't want to take the time to make a full review because it's still a Prius. But we did do some like moments of thought Uh, We recorded them on a phone while we were driving. It was just like, hang on, I've got something to say about the Prius. And so Chance recorded those for us. We're calling them the Prius Diaries. We may do it going forward with other rental cars. We're going to start posting those kind of a day at a time on Facebook. we got to get – let me get past Icon. Then we'll start thinking about those. But but we have the Prius Diaries because we've genuinely driven the Prius in lots of situations now so we can talk about it seriously. And guess what? When you hang out with it, it doesn't get more attractive. It just stays – what did they do? Steve, to wrap up the thought here, the watch that is on my wrist right now is an automatic watch. It never needs a battery, never will. And therefore, it will yeah. always be relevant because it tells the time. It does one thing. It does that one thing really well and stylishly so. Whereas I notice as, as much as I have this tech enthusiasm, the Apple Watch 2 and the LG and the Samsung and the Garmin and everybody else making the, the connected thing on your wrist – those are going to get obsolete really quickly, and it's going to sit in your shelf or get sure. handed down to your nephew or thrown in the trash four months mm-hmm. after you buy it. So yeah. I have this opposite love for those things because tech moves too quickly for those things to be relevant a year from now. Whereas my beautiful watch, the watches that I love, classic, beautiful, they tell the time. And they don't require any power and never will. So you're right. For that reason, style is still going to be paramount. But I think it's going to be a big shift into what we're talking about, interiors, materials. It's still got to be eye-catching and still got to make you want to buy it. But if we're not buying cars anymore, that's the category that I think of that styling is kind of irrelevant. Hmm. If we're not hmm. buying them and we're just using cars. If we are buying the car, well, of course, styling for me has got to be at the top of the list. But hmm. caveat, caveat. So it depends on the category, and uh, we can we can talk more on that. But moving on, Steve, hope that helps. What else is on the list? Okay. Uh, well, actually, uh, there's there's some really good ones on here. But Mike Honcho wrote in, and he said, "Better collector car." 
Talk about guesswork. Better collector car, the S2000 or the Mazda Speed MX-5? Hmm. Now, I thought about this for a bit, and my, my conclusion is the, the key to these is going to be those, that unicorn one with no mileage that is actually in good shape 20 years from now. That'll be the one that's suddenly worth money, or maybe 10 years from now. That's the one that's suddenly worth money. That's going to be the hard one to find because they're be, especially the S2000s, are being tuned, they're being driven, they've got very high mileage because they keep running. So a low-mileage, pristine stock one, that's going to be worth some money. But I am going to submit to you Mazda Speed MX-5 is the better sheer collector car if you can find a good one because they're far more rare and because to this point they are still the only factory turbo MX-5. So I think mm. if you can find one, that is the car that's going to hang on to its value better. However, it is already cheaper to buy than typical S2000. So, you know, I, it kind of has nowhere to go but up, I feel like, too. Do you feel like the, the Mazda speeds, or at least just the MX-5s, get tuned more than the S2000s? And I mean like fasted and furious to whatever you call that, FF'd. Do they get FF'd well, I think, more one over the, the other? Thing that's funny. I think, and maybe I'm, I'm totally wrong on this, but I think there are people that are tuning the S2000 for look and stance and that kind of stuff. I don't think that crowd tunes the MX-5. I think if you tune an MX-5, you're tuning it for track work. Yeah. I don't think people buy the, the MX-5 to be seen in. I think the mm. S2000, which can be tuned and does get tuned for great track work, don't get me wrong, I think it's a car that does get tuned just for look and style, whereas the MX-5, you're driving a Miata. There's no real way to win the look and style thing because everybody thinks they're terrible cars if they don't know cars. They think they're, oh, it's a girl's car, whatever that means. So, I mean, that's the thing. I don't think the MX-5 gets that kind of tuning that isn't usable tuning. I think it gets tuning for, well, let's drop, you know what, an LS will go in that. It gets that kind of stuff. <laughs> what are we sure this... in that? Hmm. Seriously, it will. But, but it also gets the let's cage it, let's strip it, let's make it a track car. That's the way an MX-5 gets tuned. The S2000 gets everything you can imagine from let's leave it pristine. I mean, Edgar, who shoots for us, that 2006 he's got yeah. is spectacular. And it's got a lot of miles on it, but it's gorgeous but then you've got the other ones that are total track rat cars and you've got the guys that took it and just went let's put 600 horsepower in that which sounds insane and is so it gets the 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 i feel like much more of the range of tuning than an mx5 does hmm yeah i was just trying to think about the the ramifications of tuning and then if you find a really sweet you know stock car hard to say they're both they're both up there, and because you said Mazda Speed, not just a regular mm -hmm. MX-5, that changes the game. Originally, I was leaning Honda, agreed, but agreed. you said that, and I thought, well, it's a great point because they are so rare. Up until the time when Mazda decides to drop a turbo in the new RF, that would true. be the business. But you can't fit. Mm -hmm. hmm. This is true. Thank you for rubbing that in. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. my head touches the ceiling, so <laughs> that... So, so here's the thing. I have to now dig around to wait for somebody in the, in the MX-5 world to figure out what is the NDRF tall man modification. That's, then I can think about that car again. Somebody with but a prior sawzall. prior to that, like... I can't. But, but here's the other problem. If, if I were to do the tall man modification, now I've created a problem for my wife ever driving the car. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I have, you know, if, if, great. so I can figure out. Over the seriously, so I figured out how to drop the seat an inch or two inches, but now she can't raise it back up. 
So this is the problem with a situation like that. I mean, I'm I'm very much of the mind of of look. I want my cars to fit me, and that's paramount. I, I'm always annoyed when a car doesn't have good ergonomics and I can't fit in the seat well. But it also has to have some range so that, I mean, it happened this morning. I took my wife's Cayenne for something. She took the, the FRS. So it's, we've got to have that capability. So that's a real problem. Hmm. A real first world problem, but nevertheless. No, uh, no, a, a, a true car guy problem. You're right. Yes. True a North American uh, first world true car guy problem. You're right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm awfully blessed in that conversation. You're very right. <laughs> I had to rub it in just a little bit. You know that. You know that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we've got one left here from Mark Butler, who asks during one of the episodes of Car Matchmaker, whose host we would like to have on the podcast, yes, the definitely. buyer gets to take a drifting course, and uh, he's thinking that it would help him to learn car control. Have either of us taken such a course? And I thought, how <laughs> timely, Mark, yes. because as a matter of fact, we recently went to drift school, drift101.com. With Naoki Kobayashi, who taught us drifting, and we shot it, and it's coming out. When is that film coming out? I know you're buried up to your eyeballs in Icon, but... Yeah, I was going to say, thanks for that. I <laughs> <laughs> appreciate, Didn't appreciate mean the, hey, Todd, where is that one? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, here's the thing. I've seen footage on that, and it is actually, it's going to be a really fun piece. And the day was an interesting day that surprised both Paul and I. I mean, there were some weird twists and discoveries in it. Because <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a class unlike anything we've taken before. So I'm excited to have that video out. Candidly, that's January maybe February. And I hate to say that, but again, we're still trying to fall across the finish line of this 70-minute feature film. But we do have the footage. I'm excited about it. What's great, here's what's great, though. We have a lot of good footage to get us through January and February, which is normally the time at which, because we're finishing a film, we haven't shot anything, and suddenly January and February are crickets and we have no content. So I'm excited that we have a couple of really good pieces. We've got that FRS, uh, my tuned one versus a supercharged one, and that drift school. Both are coming out early 2017. I'm glad you asked that question, Mark, and it's, uh, it, I do recommend doing something like that, but it'll be interesting to kind of show you guys how that class breaks down, and, uh, and we, got, we got a lot out of it. It was very cool. Yeah, super cool. Drifting is dirty, I've decided, because all the rubber, the little tiny chunks of rubber come in the window and just settle on you, and you just rub it in everywhere, but, you know, well, I'm, I mean, cool here's, I'm cool here's, with it. I'm cool with it. Here's Naoki with, with uh, 240s. That their entire existence, these poor cars every day have a new person that hops in them and destroys tires. <laughs> That's hard on a car. And those cars just keep taking the abuse. Yeah. So it's, they, are, they are cars that the minute you walk up to them, you go, this is a car that gets used and it runs. Yeah. It's not a, yeah. any kind of garage queen. It sits there at the track and waits on the next person to climb in and slide sideways. You kind of got to respect that car, but it's no beauty queen. The main thing we discovered is a real genuine use for Chinese-made tires because uh, – This is true, yeah. We went through a, a rear set easily in in our day of drifting, and that was just a matter of hours. So 45 bucks a tire, there you go. I, I mean – we usually stick to the major brands that we well, know and love, but Chinese tires are now at the top of my list because, you know, they're perfect. They're perfect. Well, but if this is your purpose, I mean, one of my favorite things Naoki said the day we were there, and I don't think we caught it on camera, so that's why I'll share it now, is he made a comment where he was somewhere random with his drift cars doing a school somewhere he didn't normally do a school and he needed to buy tires. Oh. And he went to the local tire place and he told them, you know, I need a tire that does this and this and this. And they said, oh, well, this should be a good tire for you. It's got a 60,000 mile warranty. And he said, no, 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 I'm sorry. You misunderstand me. I don't need 60,000 thousand miles i need six hours 
changed the whole conversation. So we started talking about there should be some company that only makes drift tires and they have a seven-hour warranty. But uh, yeah, so that video awesome? will be coming up. That'll be that'll be a fun one to share. Well, we will wrap things up, everyone, from there. Thanks for joining us. If you are in Utah, anywhere near Utah, in Salt Lake or Park City, on December 17th, 2016, we are premiering Icon, the film, at the Park City Library, the big screen. So if mm-hmm. you're nearby or if you want to come by, you are cordially invited for a free screening of the Icon film. If you cannot make it, we will be pressing Blu-rays. We'll be having the Blu-rays made for sale on mm-hmm. Amazon, as well as our our usual Vimeo downloads. So you can rent or download the entire film off of Vimeo. That will That's be true. added. Yep. And yep. Uh, we can't wait to share the film. Todd has absolutely knocked, knocked it out of the park. You really have. It's just uh, well, no pressure. Uh, <laughs> you really have. I let's, can't wait. Let's for... go ahead and set the bar high. I'm excited for people to yeah. see it as well. And yeah, uh, yeah. Charlie James, who was actually uh, we we answered a couple of his questions recently. He's our our friend in Germany. He was talking about he's excited because of course he's owned a long line of M cars. So he and others that uh, the the guys that loaned us cars for the film they've been talking about it. People are excited. I should drop some dates on you since you already started it. Uh, the yes, the premiere is the 17th. That's uh, the Saturday about 10 days after the film drops barring some unforeseen reality the film drops next thursday that's december the 8th it'll be available on vimeo and the orders will begin for blu-rays but please understand if you order the blu-ray on the 8th you will definitely have it before christmas however they will not ship the 8th they will ship probably early the next week because they will start uh their duplication on like the 6th or 7th so we just won't have them in hand yet but don't feel like you can't order starting on the 8th this is my attempt to try to get ahead of oh my gosh will I have it for Christmas yes you will but uh, they do have to <laughs> since they're a physical copy they but have chill. to get made <laughs> yes you will well, but, but just that, that that's the truth of it I mean when, yeah. once you get to this early first couple of weeks of December you start thinking Christmas gifts and you start thinking because of shipping will I have it in time we know from doing this I can't believe I'm saying this four years running now yeah. that the stuff that we ship middle of December still makes it by Christmas it seems to do really well when we're shipping those Blu-rays but, uh, but so just know that when you order on the 8th I bet you they'll be shipping between the 10th and the 12th but we would love to have you get the Blu-ray it will have all those owner interviews on it we're also putting on Paul's M2 versus uh, the GTS a discussion because it relates to the film at large because the film at large has the M2 in it. It's going to be a cool one. Yeah, it will be. Wow. Well, thank you all for supporting us, for listening, and for watching. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>